just like that. The final hours here on this Thursday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton with Rowe here on the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're listening to this great radio station, we say thank you. If you are subscribed to our YouTube channel for Outkick, a salute to you. If you're not, we hope you'll go there, hit the subscribe button, and uh, hit the like, give us a thumbs up, join Chad in the chat, which is always busy, and uh, share the link if you don't mind. Uh, busy show, and it will be a fast-paced final hours. We get you through your workday up to 6 p.m. Eastern. Chad, the, the news across Major League Baseball at the trade deadline was a bit of a surprise. The Angels decided to be buyers, not sellers. And since then, they have been in the cellar. And I don't know if you can go any deeper as far as rock bottom than learning yesterday that Otani, who's back on the mound after the blister issues and everything else going on, leaves the game early with elbow soreness, and it turns out he has a tear in his elbow that will likely require Tommy John surgery. He's had this before in the same arm, the right arm, in 2018, and this is right on the, the beginning stages of what is going to be an extremely hyped, and I don't think we can overhype, the free agent frenzy for the league's best player and the best talent we've ever seen with what he does on the mound and from the plate. Kurt Schilling also agrees, and you can hear his full comments on all things Major League Baseball on the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, available uh, this episode, sneak peek here, but available tomorrow. It'll drop tomorrow at outkick.com. Here is Kurt Schilling giving his take on what he feels like this injury will do for Otani and how it impacts his value on the free agent market this offseason. So, uh, wow. Been a bummer of a couple weeks since the deadline for the Angels. Uh, last night, uh, Shoy Otani comes out of a game and uh, he had some soreness in his elbow. I, I found it very interesting that there wasn't pain. Uh, if you listen to the people talk, he said, did just didn't feel right. Um, and he apparently has a, a torn UCL, which is the Tommy John ligament. Um, and bottom line, uh, just to go right to the, to the fan focused piece of this, probably a quarter billion dollar injury. Um, I'm not going to pay you for the player. You can't be, I, I get it. Uh, and the back end of the contract will reflect, um, you being a pitcher and a hitter, if that happens, but the front end won't. And not not listen, he's still gonna get monster money because he's a he's a 40, 50 home run premium power guy, but he's not gonna be a pitcher for probably the first year and a half to two years of the contract. Uh, and I don't think you pay him as such. Uh, I don't think he can demand as such. Um now, where this goes off the rails is you've got what will probably be a very uh, desperate Yankee team this winter. And I don't know about desperate, but they will be looking to reverse the trend in a big, big way. Uh, they may come in and overbid and outbid everybody for this guy just because. Um, but but at, at a minimum, uh, you're looking at a very an incredibly differently structured contract um, for him. And that's part of the risk you take. Uh, he could have signed in Anaheim. I understand why he didn't, but they're out of it. Trout's back on the DL. 
Um, they brought up some kids, uh, and they're 10 and a half games out of the final wild card. So their season's over. Um, so in my mind, you keep Trout, let him get fresh for next year, uh, and maybe you approach Otani if, if you're serious about having him back. I don't see it. Um, and, and I think the contract is now going to be a fascinating discussion this winter because it's not going to be the five or 600 million that I was thinking maybe for 10 years. I, I just don't see that. There's Kurt Schilling. Again, the full episode drops tomorrow at outkick.com, the Kurt Schilling Bummer baseball show. for him on that one. Man, think about also, yeah, no doubt. Think about if you were the trade partner, the could have, would have, should have trade partner that everyone expected the Angels to be on board with, shipping out the talent and getting the uh, the up and comers, you know, the prospects in return and the boatload that it would take to get Otani now for a team that's going all in for the World Series and willing to pay him long term. Yankees. Mets, Dodgers, Giants, Seattle was in the mix at one point, especially during the All-Star break. you imagine going in on the game's best and committing that, your future prospects, but also knowing that you're in to pay the dude? You're not going to give up all that unless you're signing him to a massive deal, only to learn that he's, you know, having Tommy John surgery because of an injury in August. Man, I, I've also thought today about the other organizations, and man, they were on the phone, they were trying hard, and it would have been extremely detrimental to them as well. And now you get to assess the market for the guy that you wanted and were probably willing to give up the farm for, literally. I, I think about it. It's, it's a great point, Hutton. And I think about not just that, but... You get Otani if you're one of the if you traded for him. You get him, and you're thinking, okay, this is the key to us winning a World Series. Then this happens, obviously bad, but the opportunity cost of and I went through and looked at all those possible trade partners, and the level of prospect and young talent that would have been given up to get Otani. Then you look at it and say, well, we lost him for this fall, but there was no guarantee we were going to re-sign him anyway. So not the biggest loss in the world. Then you start to think, oh. But I lost prospect number four, eight, seventeen, and my starting second baseman this year in a trade. And those guys are going to go on to be really good pros, we think, in that deal. That's what would kill you. To me, if you're a GM and you made that move, then this happens. It's what you lost in the trade. Mm. Because everyone that was in the market for this, and if you went through and looked at any possibility, they were all selling the farm. Yeah. To get Otani. So you're losing your best prospects for a guy who eventually tears his UCL. So from that perspective, there's a lot of other teams that are happy they didn't make that move or that they weren't allowed to make that move because the Angels decided to stay put and go for it. Not just stay put, they became buyers. They were trading guys away to get players who could help them now, and they've fallen flat on their face from that point forward. And I threw this out earlier, but and Kurt mentions this uh, in what we just played there. Maybe this allows the Angels to get back in this bidding market, too. Yeah. In a weird twist. It could be a discount that they can now get They, they can now compete with. Yeah. You know, that, that's the other weird dynamic to this injury because they know him better than anyone. And he's already chosen them once whenever he originally decided he was going to play for them. Chad, have you chosen... Have you 
given us the blessing to go watch Swamp Kings? Well, that's uh, depending on who, who I'm uh, referring the show to. So I've watched episode one of Untold Swamp Kings. Now, we've talked about this. We talked to Trey Wallace, who uh, he interviewed the director. A lot of the reviews are for the Untold series. It really is false advertising because they're not getting into a lot of the more salacious stuff that Florida involving off-field arrest. And Aaron Hernandez has mentioned for like 45 seconds to a minute, apparently of all, I think it's four parts, four episodes on, on this. And he's only mentioned once in passing. There's not a, a, a lot of talk about, you know, Urban Meyer in a negative context. There's not a lot of talk about arrest in a negative context and this and that. So I went into this and I tried to keep as open a mind as possible in watching mm-hmm. episode one. Uh, and I was able to do so last night and this morning. Here's my review. If you are someone who's dropped into the, this country and knows nothing about college football or knows very little about college football and even less about the University of Florida. This is a well-produced story of a guy coming from across the country and putting this discipline in like it's a, a military dictatorship in terms of workouts and everything else and getting this misfit groups of guys, some from the inner city, one guy who's this diehard homeschool kid who's the son of missionaries and putting them together and all they care about is winning and knocking the piss out of you and doing it with style and grit and everything else. It's compelling from that perspective to the, the layman, to someone who doesn't follow college football, to someone who doesn't know about that era of Florida football much. If this is being told to you as a first-time narrative of something that happened, that's a docu-series. I think it's really entertaining and really well done. The behind-the-scenes footage is pretty cool. You know, there's, there's cursing in it. They're not holding back with that. You're hearing Urban Meyer swear at players. Uh, Brandon Seiler, who's one of the guys on camera, is very entertaining. And he don't know what he's going to say from moment to moment throughout episode one of this. But if you were someone entrenched in the world of Southern college football and you know your SEC and you know your Florida – and how and, this is promoted. And you know Urban Meyer. And you know that the Untold series mm-hmm. has been hard-hitting from the malice in the palace to the one that, that went through the Balco scandal to the Johnny Manziel documentary we just saw. Um, you're going to be disappointed because episode one is a hero's tale. I mean, it really is. It is a hero's tale of Urban Meyer overcoming adversity in 2005 of Tim Tebow being the white whale that everyone was after, that Florida got, and he was the savior that came in. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the way it's depicted. Now, did I find myself entertained at times watching some of the workouts and hearing some of the and first personnel? And, and you were at the sure. games. Yeah, You're literally yeah. at the games where, as this is playing out in yeah, college. It's, it's a good refresher for those. I mean, I was out, out of right, college a right, couple right. years. But, but at your college. Yeah, I mean, there's, it, it's a good refresher for those that – remember this era of college football, right? But if you're looking for anything other than a glorified version of Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow and that Florida, those Florida teams, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you're going to this thinking compelling, well-produced, behind-the-scenes sports story that's a hero's tale of coach leading misfit group of guys to greatness, then you're going to like it. This is what I would call, Hutton, the Disney version 
of Florida football from 05 to 010. I'm one episode that's, that's in. difficult to do. I'm going to watch the rest of it, but one episode in, that is my take. And the first episode culminates with a 10-minute sequence that's all about Florida at Tennessee in 2006 and how this is the breakthrough moment of Urban Meyer at Florida when they have a come-from-behind win in the fourth quarter against the Vols in Knoxville. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes locker room footage of that, sideline footage. Uh, our buddy Dan Mullen is good. He's interviewed for the documentary. But documentary is very loose in the description Chad, of what's happening with this. What you're saying is we were expecting playmakers on ESPN, and instead we got the Nickelodeon broadcast of the wildcard weekend game in the NFL. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I think... If this is the so rated the, G instead of a hard R? I think the knocks <laughs> on... Here's a good comparison. And look, I, I, people are going to laugh because I absolutely love this, and it's probably my favorite sports documentary ever. It's the way people criticize The Last Dance, like, like Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan handed over the rights to this season and the behind-the-scenes footage. In turn, what did Michael Jordan get? He got final edit. He got final say on everything. Took out Luke Longley. So it is a – Luke Longley, Bill Winnington. <laughs> he had a minute's cut from the docuseries where he was interviewed in this. Um, Steve Kerr being punched. No, they, they talked about those things, right? Like, I liked it because they did address yeah. the things we all wanted to know about. But I can understand if you're Scottie Pippen and you really know Michael Jordan and you're thinking, man, this made me look really bad at times. There's a lot of things they didn't say about you. That's the sense I got with Urban Meyer and Tim mm -hmm. Tebow's participation in this. Not that you, uh, Tim Tebow, you can find a lot of things to make, you know, make him look like a bad guy. But I think that if they were going to take part in this, this was going to have to be spun in a certain way that was, we'll go into this area that you had a bunch of wild men on this team that did some crazy things, but I don't want to answer questions about Aaron Hernandez. I don't want to answer too many questions about or what happened on campus with this. We're not even going to mention him, but Tim Tebow might tell a story about a bar fight involving him, but that's it. Um, it was spun in a way, but again, just like the rest of the series, it's very well produced and, and compelling at times. But if you want something below the surface and more than what you bargained for, you're not going to get it from Swamp Kings. Maybe we'll get an untold Texas and Oklahoma against the world years from now. Because uh, Steve Sarkeesian, head coach at Texas, said that, look, everyone's going to hate us. We have to embrace the hate in 2023, our final season in the Big 12. Well, it's not just the fan bases. Here is Commissioner Brett Yormark speaking at the Red Raiders kickoff luncheon at Texas Tech about Texas Tech against Texas. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you, okay? And coach, I'm not gonna put any pressure on you, but I'm gonna be in Austin for Thanksgiving, okay? And you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. I love this. Um, Chad, if you would have told me this was the Republican debate last night, it sounded similar uh, with how he's, uh, you know, he's stumping on behalf of his conference. I love Brett Yormark. I want to get the guy on the show. He speaks his mind. He tells you exactly what uh, he's, he's forthcoming with information uh, he on can, he can laying, be my commissioner. Out, laying out the, the path for relevance instead of 
well, not figuring out the landscape of college Instead football, of like Pac-12. Pac um, and that's exactly what he's done. And Texas and Oklahoma will go through the ringer, but they also know they're going to a windfall of a conference that isn't trying to just keep up with the Joneses. They were, and they're taking their talents I elsewhere. Mean, Texas can deal with this. I'm sorry. You can't expect them to kiss up to you after you bailed and left the oh, conference. No. So this is totally fine they, with me. They should be worried about Alabama, not Texas Tech. True. There we go. Uh, coming up, Trey Lance trade opportunities. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Final hour here on this Thursday edition. Our thanks to Armando Salguero for joining us. Uh, had a great chat with Michael McHenry earlier in the show. And uh, David Nuno of TexAgs.com going across the SEC. Fun uh, show. It has been. Um, man, this time of year, we, plenty of... Trade bait out there. Jonathan Taylor rumored with upwards of six teams. Um, you've got uh, whatever's going on with Josh Jacobs. Uh, of course, uh, some other trades have happened with the Arizona Cardinals today. Isaiah Simmons, a former eight, eighth overall pick in 2020. And he's listed as a linebacker slash safety. Uh, ends up getting traded for a seven, not the seventh over. Seventh round pick, eighth overall pick in 2020. Seventh round pick is what the New York Giants gave up in order to acquire can, him from Arizona. Can we go back to this Jonathan Taylor, yes. Josh Jacobs thing quickly? The fascinating part to me, not fascinating, the hilarious part of all this to me is that it's not the grass is not going to be greener on the other side for any of these guys based on the market for running backs. But it's it's just now to the point where they're essentially saying, I'm so hurt by what I've principle. been told by this organization that on principle, I'm willing to go anywhere else and be treated the exact same way financially just to not have to look at you again. Now, the Jim Ursay piece in this is the biggest one. Whatever he said on his RV outside of camp really pissed off Jonathan well, Taylor. And not, and not just that. What he said after what that. What he said publicly. Where he said... Uh, yeah, we running backs. It'd need, be inappropriate. Inappropriate to bring up the fact that they need to go back to the CBA because they agreed to this. You know, and both sides were right there, and what the running backs are saying, and then what ownership would. Of course, they should point to the collective bargaining agreement. No way are they going back to the negotiating table over this position, uh, given the fact that the players signed up for this. Uh, but the players are also saying, "Hey, that the fact that you're tagging us is keeping the overall value down." That's why we're $8 million less than any other position on offense other than kicker, kicker or punter. Yeah, it, it's not. So we've reached a point now of it's not, I'll show you my value. These other teams value me much more and will pay me what I'm worth. It's, you piss me off. I'm right. going to go work for anyone else but you now. I'll take less or I'll take the same and I'll have the same contract conditions there. I just want out of from under you. That's what Jonathan Taylor's saying. From the beginning, he's wanted out of Indianapolis, but then after what and Jim Irsay told him right. and after what he said publicly, he definitely wants out anywhere. He's not getting paid more anywhere else. It's going to be the exact same situation, but it's new. 
And Ursay said publicly, too, he, he was quoted, we're not trading him now, this was July, and not in October, it's which almost, is the deadline. It's almost like Jacobs, Taylor, you know, Saquon Barkley worked it out where he got sort of a symbolic gesture from the Giants that I guess appeased him he enough had, to he, keep he it going. Two and a half for three million up front. Yeah, but every, everybody Instead else, it's almost, you know, you, you think about what is Austin You're Eckler right. eventually going to do. It's like these guys have PTSD, and the only way to rid themselves of it is to just not put on that helmet anymore. But it's going to be the same situation wherever they go, but I can't live here now. I need to go live this out somewhere else because where the trauma happened to me and where I felt ultimately disrespected was here, so I can't wear this horseshoe oh, anymore or I can't wear this Raiders logo. I need to get out of this situation and start being disrespected from another franchise. Well, there's a difference. Because that's Jacob, what's going to happen. Jacobs can play and be guaranteed $10.1 million. And Taylor's getting four, and he knows if he has a great year, he's getting franchise tag. I wonder, as a part of this trade, keep an eye on the terms of if the team is agreeing to extend him, not tag him after this which would be for the 10, and if he wants upwards of 12 to... He's 24 years old. That factors into all of this, too. Saquon's, what, 28? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, Chad, the other big trade discussion is Trey Lance. Um, speaking of Trey, he's the third quarterback on the depth chart. Kyle Shanahan informed him of this yesterday, along with John Lynch. And uh, Lynch, very candid with KNBR Radio in San Francisco earlier this morning where he said, yeah, he took it like a gut punch. And that was his response whenever the hosts asked John Lynch, hey, uh, did he request a trade? He's like, well, he took it. He handled this like a professional. So did John Lynch, by the way, with the way he's commenting publicly, unlike Jim Ursay in negotiations publicly with Jonathan Taylor. But he also said that the most likely option is that Trey Lance is going to remain on the 49ers roster as the third-string quarterback to begin the season, going into the season, which is roster cut-down day, down to your 53. That takes place at the close of business on Tuesday. Um, so here's the quote. We're very happy with Trey. The most likely option is that he's here. If we can find a landing spot for Trey that's really good, one for him and works for our organization, that's not something that we turn a blind eye to. But that's not where our focus is right now. Our focus is getting Trey back here and us being the best football team. We're getting close to Pittsburgh in week one. I think that's very candid because he also said, hey, we're yes, we're agreeing not to tag Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, we intend on trading him. And things worked out to where they actually needed Jimmy G down the stretch of last season. I don't get the sense, though, that this is about keeping Trey Lance as the third quarterback. If Trey Lance... No. If Trey Lance... I'm saying it's like insurance... If Trey Lance were in the in the cards, he'd be the backup quarterback over Sam Darnold. I think this is about other teams not willing to pony up and, and trade for a guy that they know either is likely to be cut because he's the third-string quarterback before he's even played the third preseason game, and apparently he's going to play tomorrow night if Kyle Shanahan gets his way. Um, teams know, hey, you're going to cut the guy. If you want, they've got... Uh, uh, Allen there as their fourth string quarterback. So if he wants to be the third, again, this isn't about keeping him around. I don't think there's a, a, a scenario where that works out in their favor. It's time to cut losses and it will be big losses. It's just time to move on. If you can find the trade partner, I think it was difficult. We went through this yesterday. 
uh, trying to do this with teams that have backups already in the mix. But if you start thinking about a couple of organizations, Chad, here are my three that I would look at for, for landing spots. Number one, Arizona, and we brought them up yesterday. The Arizona Cardinals, to me, uh, Kyler Murray's coming off of the ACL. You've got a situation where, at least yesterday, I'm thinking, man, they their quarterback, their quarterback room is crap. Maybe they want it that way, though. But they also just had Caleb Williams say, I may stay if uh, the team picking one and maybe two uh, back-to-back. I may stay in college instead of play for a team. He didn't name Arizona, but they're the odds on favorite for the number one and number two overall picks based on the trade they made with Houston during the draft. Uh, Again, they need an option. They are going to suck, but at least you get a chance to coach a guy and see what he's like for the number three overall pick that Kyle Shanahan even signed off on in the draft. That's my, my first pick. Second, the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota's in the mix because Cousins is on the final year of his deal. They're totally fine with that. And they were the reported team that made sure they were in the mix, kept in touch with John Lynch during the draft as the 49ers have been sh- uh, shopping him throughout the entire offseason. Uh, Keep an eye on the Vikings. And I also say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Arians has a big foothold there, still does. Um, Loves his quarterbacks. They're looking for that bridge to the next guy. Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyle Trask. Why not try out Trey Lance if you're Tampa Bay? Scenario's not great there, but you don't have a great scenario the long term anyway it's a one-year contract for baker mayfield throw in atlanta as well atlanta was was linked to trey lance through arthur smith when he took the job and i mean he's built for that style of offense i just don't know if he's built to be a starting quarterback and what the price tag would be but those are my top three arizona minnesota tampa bay um so here's what i think Hudden. I think that what they're waiting on is for who is the most likely team or which team is going to have a quarterback hurt where it's going to dictate Maybe. the trade at that point. There's some starters Because going tomorrow. into the season with three with Trey Lance, they would, they would trade him if they got a decent offer now. But they know, okay, now if we go into it, someone's going to get hurt in the first two or three weeks, and they're either going to need someone to compete to be the starter or they're going to need a backup. And then maybe they're going to be more likely to give up more for Trey Lance at that point. So you kind of put him out there as bait at that point with the injured teams. You're immediately on the phone when someone goes down in week one or week two, and you know that, hey, here's a guy who was a first-round pick. I I know you liked him in the evaluation also. This is his chance to shine or at least compete for your starting job or be your backup. What will you give us in return? That's what they're waiting on. I like those three options. Those are, I think, probably the three best and most likely. But the outside options I'd look at is anyone who gets a quarterback injured early, and they're going to be the ones that are more desperate to give up a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit and more you, for Trey you're Lance. Right. And, and he's certainly available at that point, being third on the depth chart. Davey Hudson rejoins us. Davey, uh, it's time for Pick Your Poison, and we're doing that with the quarterback group across the NFL, this is going to be a difficult task. Yeah, so for this segment, you got to pick one of these four guys that you are trusting to save your job if you are a coach in the NFL. And our four options for and, today... And, and let's clarify this. You have one year 
correct? One year. You, that you, is correct. You've got to save. That can mean whatever you need it to be. 500 record, uh, nine and eight, whatever. But you've got to save your job. And you, you've recently mentioned several of these quarterbacks, but to start the list off, we got Baker Mayfield in Tampa. Okay. We have Kyler Murray in Arizona, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, and Jordan Love in Green Bay. Hutton, you start. Okay. So Baker Mayfield can go on streaks. I don't think he can go on a streak that takes Tampa and that locker room to where they're viewing him as the leader. Because if that were the case, he wouldn't be on his fourth team in however many months it's been now. Uh, it's not a good, 12 months, not a good situation based on that. He's looking to rejuvenate the career. Kyle Trask nearly beat him out if you listen to reporters. I'm not taking him. Uh, Chad, to, to just go straight, to, I'm going with the guy that I don't really know, Jordan Love. Mm. I'm going with Jordan Jay Love. Jay Love, baby. Uh, because Aaron Rodgers' favorite I, quarterback. The other three, I'm not likely keeping my job if it's a playoff or pink slip. And it, it also, I'm not keeping my I just need, if it's a winning, whatever it might be. It's not, if you lose, it's how you lose. I can lose in Green Bay, but still end up winning with Jordan Love, if that makes sense. No one's expecting much from this dude. And, I mean, they have had success finding the guy. Let's go through the options one more time. Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love. Kyler Murray and Desmond Ritter. And Desmond Ritter. Am I looking at the situation they're in, or is this no, just, just like nope. all can, things equal? I'm yeah. a coach, and I need a quarterback to save my job. Whew, that is a bad list you're, of you're, options. You're thinking I, Kyler I'm Murray. Not, I'm not going Call of Duty, man. Uh, I don't. I don't like those reports. Some think it's overblown. I don't. I think I don't think the guy loves playing quarterback enough to study the way he should. I get strong Johnny Manziel minus the partying vibes. From preparation from Kyler Murray in a lot of ways, even the style he plays in. This is a good list. Yeah, Kyler Murray's very much an ad lib guy, like Johnny Manziel. Uh, don't love that one. Jordan Love, never been a fan of. I think that uh, if he was better, we'd have heard a lot more of a rush to get him on the field in in, in place of of Aaron Rodgers. Hard to do with back to back MVP Rodgers. I'm going Desmond Ritter. Oh. I'm going Desmond Ritter. He to wow. me, this is a great pick your poison because all these guys have some poison <laughs> in them. Is it poison or is it venom? I don't know, but I know Desmond Ritter was good enough to where when Marcus Mariota struggled, a guy that Art Smith knew very well in Atlanta, there was more of a push and a rush to get to the rookie third round pick. Out of Cincinnati. So, you're right. I, he, I'm going Desmond Ritter. It's a good spot, too, because he doesn't have to be the guy. The, it's the, it, it is the situation. He's your quarterback. Yeah, see, I, if I'm looking at situations, I'm definitely taking yeah, Desmond Ritter. Well, yeah. The good thing about if you just look at it from their situations, are all four of these guys are in the NFC. I mean, if they were in the AFC, That's they'd right. be screwed. Dead meat. You're but right. But uh, if I had to pick, just give me the cyanide. <laughs> so. Just give me the Jim Jones Kool-Aid is what Davey said. Just go ahead and resign. Davey's going to fly to uh, Guyana and drink the Kool-Aid with Jim Jones people instead of take one of these quarterbacks. I, There's a lot of I love think, about think, Jordan Love I think right Ritter now. is going to be okay. And maybe this is my bias towards Arthur Smith and that offense, but I think with Bajon Robinson now, um, Kyle Pitts, I, I think their young skill Drake players. Drake London. Drake London are going to help him out enough, and they're going to devise a play-action heavy offense around the run game that where he's going to be successful 
And guys, real quick with uh, tonight being the start of preseason week three, pick your poison, NFL preseason or NBA regular season? Can we tackle this when we come back? We can. Because I think it's a really good question. And there is a beautiful scene in Italy for a couple, or supposed to be, except the groom may not be able to to make it there. Davey's got details on that coming up as well. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on right here across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Love the studio digs here with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine and Music City. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Uh, did you know that Sunday is Cinema Day? This is some like unofficial holiday. Oh, and, you're uh, celebrating. Every movie is $4. If you go to the movie theater on Sunday, $4 tickets. Uh, how much is popcorn and a Coke? For That's every I movie. Know. I got this text from a buddy, maybe completely made up, but they went and showed me the receipt of where they booked to go see Barbie, him and his wife, on Sunday Davey's for $4. On, Davey's going to Regal right now. <laughs> Davey needs to get on Tinder and start swiping right on everyone. You guys just want me to movies. get catfish. That's what I'm working on. Wait, you make it. You want actual dates or the catfish? We've got we to gotta figure this Davey out. Davey needs to find the shortest movie out and offer to take all of his dates to those movies for $4 a piece. And just oh. one after the other, he just escorts them out to their car and then goes right back to the entrance of the movie theater and then welcomes the next date. You guys, and he watches the same thing over and over again. You guys ever like go to to a you know seven o'clock whatever the showtime would be in high school or early college, and then you just like jump to the next one at like nine fifteen? Oh, absolutely, the double feature. Uh, yeah, but with 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 you know no one really noticing. Oh yeah, no, we we would do that a lot. I did that like through college. I remember oh. watching three movies. It wasn't cinema on a day. Saturday at one point. I, Every day was cinema day if it was a you know the you the double feature. I only did it once, and it was because they wouldn't let me go to the movie I wanted to see. It oh. was I was oh. I was seventeen, oh. and you go scream. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it was. It might have been like The Hangover way, Two. Oh, okay. And say, wait, wait, wait. That would be more our era there, Hutton. Yeah, that's way, my. Way that's the one I was trying to get with, into with Davey. So yeah, I After remember finishing. I think I had to go watch like a Pirates of the Caribbean film. Then once that was done, I just went into the next showing of The Hangover Two. I remember in like 2005. I mean, I'm in my 20s at this point, and I snuck into. I paid for No Country for Old Men. Okay. I'll tell you the, the this is Great the film. Mo- this is maybe one of the more interesting double features of all time. Paid for No Country for Old Men. Stayed with a male friend, not a woman. Another guy stayed for Juno. <laughs> oh wow. And watched both and enjoyed the hell out of both of them, to be quite quite honest. Another one we did was uh, <laughs> Remember the Titans in like 2001. I believe this is correct. Remember the Titans and M. Night Shyamalan's The Village Oh, that's on a Saturday great, uh, out of the same time. I'll just go back and make sure those are the two. It's 2000. But, that's, that's a combo Yeah, that, right that would there. have been right around the same time. This was like freshman year of college did that, but... We did three movies Man. in one day at one point, and, and I forget the three. And you know, let what, us know on YouTube your favorite free double feature where you paid for one and get two. After remember the Titans, you're like, man, I you're juiced, and then you go in to watch the Village too. And I, I would still be thinking about Denzel. I was still thinking about Denzel's speeches. Yeah, while also being worked up at what the hell was going on in the Village, like everyone else was. What is happening here? I was very nervous. Made it helped my anxiety watching the, the Village the whole time. Uh, Davey, you asked us a question on what we would rather watch, uh, preseason or regular season in different sports. Uh, yes, preseason NFL or regular season NBA. 
this a slam dunk for you? I mean, we're watching. This, we're we're watching like guys who won't even be on practice squads currently. Yeah, it's, yes, it's regular season NBA, but with a caveat for yeah, me. Yeah, and the caveat is, depending on the game and the time of the game and how much Hutton's right about the four minute rule. Like the last four minutes of an NBA regular season game, it's good. It's competitive. If it's within 12 points, That's when they're the going hard, and that's when it's fun to watch at the end of regular season game. So that outweighs anything that happens in the preseason. So I'm definitely going NBA regular season. But there is a part of it that makes you more annoyed watching it and the lack of effort at times, knowing that it's regular season and not preseason. But at, at least, least your mind can be at ease knowing that the NFL is in the preseason and the games don't really count as you're watching it. Well, yeah. what gives you a little sparked, piece. But at least I'm watching LeBron or Steph Curry in the regular season do that and not Kyle Allen at quarterback. Unless it's they're under load management, then you won't see them. I, I know you gotta look Fair. at this at the entirety of, you know, the preseason as a whole, the NBA regular season as a whole, but what sparked this was watching the Commanders Ravens game the other night. Well, if I'm guaranteed that. I'd rather watch that game than uh, most NBA but, regular season games, yeah. but not that was very much the outlier. Yeah, But, but that also but falls like, under the NBA final four-minute rule because I yeah, tuned in with about four everyone, or five minutes left. Everyone was you know, tweeting or, or posting about the finish to it. Like, is the streak really going to end? You know, um, So is the marriage going to happen or is the, you know, the, does the engagement end based on what's happening to the one poor guy and – I have I no clue what you guys off. are talking about, so I need to recap here. <laughs> so uh, this story, what had happened, Chad, was there's a couple from Boston, and they were set for their wedding in Italy, destination wedding. You know, everything's put together. All their family's going to be over there. But their dog, Golden Retriever, named Chicky, decided to get the groom's passport and pretty much shredded. It didn't shred it, but enough to where this passport will not be usable. So uh, this Boston couple, uh, the name of Donato Fratatoli and as Boston as it gets, baby, Magda Masri. So I want to do an entire segment of Davy pronouncing names from other countries. It'd be, it'd be rough, but we'd get through it. So you just got to say it with confidence, you know? And so right now they are pretty much, this became a, a news story because they're doing whatever they can to get the U.S. government to try to help them expedite the process of getting him a new passport. And as of right now, uh, they've not been able to make that happen. But the plan is that if he is not able to get the passport, he and the dog are just staying back in Boston. Uh, the entire bridal party is going to go ahead and go over to Italy and they will just do the festivities minus the, 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 the actual ceremony. Yeah, minus the groom. Yep. So he'd be left behind. Man, in Tuscany, probably. I don't Kirk know. Kirk Cameron style. Um, uh, it, why, you know, you got the, it's also, it's it's the route. I mean, that, this is what you should do. Yeah, well, if you everything's put booked. The, if yeah. you put everything down, everybody's already on their way out there. You have travel insurance, but I'm sure yeah. your friends and family don't. You know? What do you think the groom does when he's left behind? His own uh, they're way wedding. too happy in this photo, by the way. Yeah, that dog's also way too happy. Well, I mean, he should be. He... You know, he's being rewarded. Like the the uh, the owners are smiling. Like, sure oh, I can look, see the, look at the toy you destroyed. Making sure I can see both the owners' hands there for a second. And I can. That's good. <laughs> that dog was a little bit too happy. <laughs> um, I, 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 I like I, I 
I'm just having fun thinking about what the groom does when he st- stays back home in Boston when his wedding party is happening without him because he, he had his passport eaten by his dog. I guess you just you go and have the legally uh, marriage license and that's it for the guy and then there's actually no ceremony. Yeah, you just go ahead and go to the courthouse, get it done there. And I mean, like, that, that's, I, uh, you go to Italy, you've got the, you yeah. know, who knows, maybe they've got the, the it doesn't have to be, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning like Tuscany or something. Maybe it's actually like a cathedral or something. I officiated then, a then wedding. you're really missing out. I officiated a wedding without being ordained. And so the couple went before the wedding to the courthouse and made sure they had everything taken care of there. And then I was able to just do my thing and it went well. So I love you it. You were not ordained? No. They were already technically married. No one else knew that at the time. It's not hard to be ordained to uh, for this. Chad knows I've got oh, a buddy just... Alex who uh, he has he has he I forgot what he, I think he he sent me this a milestone we're celebrating. It's now been ten years. They get this in the email. Alexander, it's now been ten years since you officially became an ordained minister. We raise a virtual glass to this exciting occasion, and he paid like ten bucks. And it's credentials of ministry, and it's dated, uh, official seal. He can uh, be a, he, he's an ordained minister. My, he, my, he could marry someone, and Davey could not. My buddy Jake <laughs> got married almost 10 years ago uh, this next fall in 2014. And our buddy Jim Brown, uh, not oh, the RIP yeah. Jim Brown, Speaking of the of Cleveland Browns. Uh, who now, yeah, now lives in Italy, my buddy Jim Brown. He married them, and I think it took him like a week to get ordained online to be able to be the officiant <laughs> of the wedding. And he was the officiant of their, their wedding. Officiant? Officiant? Either way, he married them. I, mean, I think he crushed it. He, he did a good job. I was surprised. We all thought he would crash and burn, but he did very well. Uh, Davey, by the way, um, what would you, would you prefer that if you're engaged, the fiancé take the entire wedding party and just go have a blast? No. But I'm kind of vindictive and jealous of stuff that I, would, I don't get to participate in like that. I, you would go on a cruise. Creed, Creed. Go see Creed, yeah. I, I would it's demand, like, uh, like... You uh, get married there. I, well, I still dem- haven't found out if I need the passport to go on the Creed cruise, but that's, that's another story. I would demand reciprocity if I were the groom. Some sort of uh, arrangement that I'm going to Europe with my friends at some point. Or we're doing this trip now since I can't go on this one. I, I will say, I mean, if there's no way you're getting a refund for any of this, then yeah, go on the trip. Well, I, I think I, I do think the couple would have travel insurance. I don't know if like if those that are just flying over that have you know the hotel stay or what. I don't know if they would. They they should absolutely keep it. I also think people that have destination weddings are just unless there's only going to be like four people or just bad people in general. Because you're, oh, you're making would, people would. spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Hey, here's that's a, that's uh, fair, unless you're marrying into money, and then you... And, yeah, unless they're, they're comping everybody, and they're like, hey, we got your uh, cross-Atlantic flight planned. Boys, we've got a trade update okay. with, with a quarterback. Ooh. Not the one you're expecting. This is from Tom Pelissero just now. The Browns are sending quarterback Josh Dobbs and a 2024 seventh-round pick to the Cardinals... For a 2024 fifth-round pick, not a bad deal. Arizona has yet to name a starting quarterback. Oh, it's and bad. And now Dobbs is in the mix well, here's to be the, the connection. starting quarterback in Arizona. I, I, was, I mentioned Arizona because that is awful. Uh, and while I pull it up, I'll say Monty Austin, the new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, mm. 
They went out and signed Joshua Dobbs here in Nashville. He was the assistant general manager to John Robinson a year ago here. They signed Josh Dobbs, and on four days' notice, he started over Malik Willis, who was in for Ryan Tannehill. They and did seen pretty well, did considering fire. the circumstances. He actually was able to throw the football. Yeah. Uh, when I say that, they attempted 16 passes with Willis on average. They attempted... 30 passes in Dobbs' first game when he arrived on a Wednesday and played on a Sunday. Now, keep this in mind, too. This from uh, Ari Mirov. Despite announcing Kellen Mond was waived, the Browns never officially processed the move. Mond is still on the roster, and the current plan is for Cleveland to keep him with the news that Josh Dobbs is now being moved to Arizona. So Kellen Mond reportedly waived, but the paperwork did not go through. So they trade away Josh Dobbs, and now they'll retain Kellen Mond. So they'd still have Dorian Green-Thompson. or yep. uh, Not, sorry, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yes. yes. From yep. UCLA. By the way, Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon, and David Blau. David Blau. Those are the three options right now. Jeff Driscoll's there, too. I should throw that in there. Jeff in Driscoll Arizona. is still playing? He is the fifth-string quarterback if you want to count Kyler Murray on the depth chart. I mean, I'd like to watch a docuseries just based on this quarterback race. What are they giving up? A fifth-round pick. Arizona's. So Dobbs is moving with it for him uh, in a seventh-round pick. Just hypothetical. They are trading a fifth-round pick for Dobbs in a seventh. What do you think their offer was for Trey Lance? Surely they would call about Trey Lance. It's in the same division. But what if you're just trying to lose? Yeah. That's, then you have the quarterbacks to do that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, David Blau could lose every game, too. <laughs> that, that, that's what they could be. Monty Austin for it's Clayton like, you know, Toon, is, I, he was rumored to be the starter. He's the Guys, Jeff Driscoll could lose these games just as good as David Blau. He is a rookie fifth-round pick, and they just traded their future fifth-round pick for Dobbs. Now, here's what it is. So, okay, here's the theory, guys. So, Dobbs, as we know, is one of the smartest quarterbacks that there is out there. Monty wanted him on the roster for when they tank. Here's what's going to happen. The Texans are also going to suck this year, so they're going to get Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. Number two overall pick is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., and so then they have Dobbs already on the roster to help mentor Caleb Williams whenever he comes into the program. There it is. Great locker room guy, Josh Dobbs. He'll be the mentor for Caleb Williams. That makes perfect sense. They're really going for it, though. Chestnut checkers. Hey, good opportunity for Josh Dobbs to possibly win a starting job with a really bad team. He, too, could go 0-17. He arrives five days before the final cut. Amazing. He's got more time, though, before the final cut, before his first career start in the NFL, which was here in Nashville a year ago. Back at it tomorrow. Tom I with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network, 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock Eastern. Hope you'll join us on Friday.